0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: Unless you're born from above, unless you're conceived from above, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And in that culture, seeing was being. That's why you always talk about these things we have seen and declare unto you. They didn't care about what you heard. They didn't care about what you were told. They want to know what you saw. And basically, you will not see. You will not experience. You will not get within range of the kingdom of heaven unless you're conceived from above i can
0: see the promised land though there's pain within the plan there is victory in the end your love is my battle cry the answer for all my life Grace to Live, with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today, studying God's Word. We would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: Today's message is entitled, What Was the Message of Jesus? And it's that great text. Everybody's read it a million times, I hope. John 3, 1 through 15, Jesus and Nicodemus. And if you're joining us today for the first time, we're going through a series on the historical Jesus entitled, Decoding Jesus. And we want to understand who Jesus is. This is sort of a springboard off of our Easter message, and what we're looking at is the gospel of John. The gospel of John is a unique gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are more chronological, more biographical. John's gospel is chronological, but what it really is, is some one Bible scholar wrote, it's the heart and soul of Jesus, because... In the Gospel of John, Jesus is explaining himself in his own words. And over 48, almost 50% of the words in the Gospel of John are Jesus' words as he's speaking to individuals, as he's speaking to small groups or crowds. And so we thought we would look to this text to understand Jesus because there's a lot of confusion about Jesus, particularly in our culture. And there's a lot of confusion about the message of Jesus I was watching a video clip from CNN, and they had a bishop from a mainline Protestant denomination on, and the gentleman who was interviewing him asked him about Jesus, and he said, well, for me as a Christian, Jesus is the way to God, but he may not be the way to God for other people. And and the commentator, who is a self-described atheist, goes, well, wait a minute, I've talked to other ministers, and they say that Christians believe that Jesus is the only way. And without Jesus, you stand condemned. And he goes, well, for me, as a Christian, I like to believe that my God is big enough to welcome all people of all faiths into his kingdom. Providentially, there was another Christian minister there who then sort of spoke up and said, well, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And that there's no other name given among heaven under men by which you can be saved. And if anyone teaches a different gospel, they're condemned. And it, it, the clip sort of ends with this pregnant and very, very embarrassing silence. Because the message of Jesus is our message. And the message of Jesus is very simple. And the message of Jesus is found on the lips of Jesus and the pages of Scripture. But it's not the complexity of the message. It's what the message is. And that's what we're going to be studying today. But this message is often misunderstood. And when properly understood, it's very Controversial these days. And as an, exa- as an example of that, I want to show you a video clip because how, how controversial is the message of Jesus? And in this video clip that we're about to show, a man is uh, being uh, interviewed for, for the Office of Management and Budget by the U.S. Senate, by a Senate subcommittee, and they begin to pin him down about his Christianity. And I want you to listen to how the senators, or, or one senator in particular, views the Christian message. You wrote,
1: "Muslim quote, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned, end of quote. Do you believe, do you believe that that statement is Islamophobic?
3: Absolutely not, Senator. I'm a Christian, and I believe in a Christian principles based on my faith. Uh, that post, as I stated in the questionnaire to this committee, was to defend my alma mater, Wheaton College, a Christian school that has a statement of faith that includes the centrality of Jesus Christ for salvation, and... Again,
1: I apologize. Forgive me. We just don't have a lot of time. Do you believe that people in the Muslim religion stand condemned?
3: Is that your view? Again, Senator, I'm a Christian, and I wrote that piece... Well, what does that say... ...the statement of faith of Wheaton College... I understand that.
1: I don't know how many Muslims there are in America. I really don't know. Probably a couple of million... Are you suggesting that all of those people stand condemned? What about Jews? They stand condemned too?
3: Senator, I'm a Christian. I
1: I understand you are a Christian, but this country is made up of people who are not just. I understand that Christianity is the majority religion, but there are other people who have different religions in this country and around the world. In your judgment, do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be
3: condemned? Thank you for probing on that question. As a Christian, I believe that all individuals are made in the image of God, and are worthy of dignity and respect, regardless of their religious beliefs. I believe that, that as a Christian, that's how I should treat all individuals. And in do you Christian think
1: Church. your statement that you put into that publication, they do not know God because they've rejected Jesus Christ the Son and they stand condemned, do you think that's respectful of other religions?
3: Senator, I wrote a post based on being a Christian and attending a Christian school that has a statement of faith that speaks clearly with regard to the centrality of Jesus Christ in salvation. I
1: would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee um, is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about.
2: The message of Jesus is not what our country is about. So what is the message of Jesus? What is the message of Jesus? Well, this is what we're going to be talking about today. And if you haven't already, turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at Jesus and Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and I want you to look at this differently, and I want you to understand this differently, because what's going on here, it's just not merely a discussion between Jesus and an old old Jewish man who was a teacher and a rabbi and a theologian for the Jewish people. What's going on here is Jesus rolling out publicly and officially his message. So what I'd like to do here is I want to read this historical account to you. I'm just going to read through it briefly then I want to talk you through it. Just point out a couple of things, a number of things here. And then what I want to do after that is to get into the heart of the message. So let's look in our Bibles together at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. Jesus answered and said, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you of heavenly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We could do a very, very lengthy series on these verses here. But I want you to see a number of things here. I want you to understand what's going on in the book of John as we move through this study. Jesus has gone from being a very private figure to a very public figure. You remember the baptism of John, uh, uh, John's baptism, and he sees Jesus coming, and he goes, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and all eyes were on Jesus, because there were some who thought that John was the Messiah, but John had explained that he's the forerunner of the Messiah, and so there's all this expectation, and Jesus gets pointed out. John says, I'm the one who is to make straight the way of the Lord, and then later on, Jesus comes by again, and John says, behold the Lamb of God, and some of John's disciples attached themselves to jesus and they went and spent a day and a night with him and dialogued with him and they came out of that dialogue going to their social network their friends and family and saying we found the messiah we found the one moses and the prophets wrote of in the law they called him the messiah one of them called him the son of god the king of israel jesus accepted all these titles from them and he called himself the son of Man, and described himself as the gateway to heaven you will see angels ascending and descending into heaven upon the Son of Man. And then in John 2, they go into the wedding of Cana, and Jesus performs his first miracle, which really affirms and confirms the faith of his disciples and encourages them. And you can just see him taking it up a notch each time. Then he goes into the temple during the Feast of the Passover, around that time, and he clears them out. He finds people selling and buying in the court of the Gentiles, where the Gentiles are supposed to enter into the the uh, temple grounds, and he says, get these things out of here. He forms a whip of cords, and he just cleans house. And he says, my father's house is to be a house of prayer, but you have made it a place of merchandise. Later on, he'll say, a den of thieves. And then the religious authorities confront him and say, seeing that you do these things, by what authority do you do these things? What sign do you give us? And Jesus says in that confrontation, not backing down, but upping the ante, he says, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Now, he's referring to the temple of his body. They, ignoring the comment, they they had to know that he meant something more than he just said. They said, well, this place took 46 years to build. You're going to raise it up in three days. Then Jesus went out and did signs among the people. And everybody could see the signs. He gave the people the sign. He did not give the unbelieving Jewish establishment the sign. And in this context, Nicodemus comes to him. And it says, now, there was a man of the Pharisees, the strictest religious sect there was, Representing the Pharisees named Nicodemus, he was a ruler of the Jews. That means he was on the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council that that, that handled all religious affairs for the Jews and under the Roman Empire, all civil affairs. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, people make a big deal that he came by night. He could have come by night for a number of reasons. One, it wouldn't be crowded and he could have a lengthy, thorough conversation with him. Two, he could not have wanted to called too much attention to the event because it would look like he was giving Jesus credibility and he wasn't sure who Jesus was or what, it, what his message was. Or three, he was afraid to be seen with him. Whatever the case, he comes to him by night and he does something really odd. He calls Jesus rabbi, teacher or master is the more uh, strict interpretation of the word translation. So you have this older man, the theologian of the Jews, the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee calling this 30-something rabbi. Rabbi. And he says, we know that you're a teacher come from God. So he's saying, the people that I'm hanging with understand that God has sent you because no one could do all these miracles unless God is with him. So basically, he's acknowledged his authenticity as a representative or a prophet of God. He has not recognized his deity. And once he acknowledges Jesus's Message. Jesus rolls that message out to him. So what he's there for is to find out, so what have you got to say to us? We know you're a teacher from God. No one can do what you've done. Rabbi, teacher, what is your message? That's what's implicit here in the text and explicit in the text. And what do we see? Jesus lays out the message and he does it in classic rabbinical fashion. He does it using teaching techniques that Nicodemus would be familiar with. He says, truly, truly, amin, amin. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, the only way you're going to see God, the only way you, Nicodemus, are going to see God, the only way that anybody is going to see God is to be born again. And actually, in the original language, it says, born from above or conceived from above. Genethe anothen in the Greek. And we translate it, being born again, because it does refer to a second birth. But it also refers to something more. It has to do with being born outside of us. Something has to be done to us. When you think about it, with your original birth, you didn't pick the time, the date, or even who your parents were, right? It was done for you or to you. So he says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It's hard to say what's going on in Nicodemus's mind. He could be wanting Jesus to do all the work. He could be resisting the teaching. Or he could be genuinely confused. We can't know from the text. But he, but he is not tracking with Jesus. And Jesus says again, and this is the now hear this in the rabbinical world. Truly, truly, or assuredly, assuredly, I, the teacher sent from God, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit... Unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, people get awfully confused about that statement. Some people, kind of the cults, say you have to be baptized to be saved. That's not what it's saying there. Some people think it means that there has to be some ceremonial washing or cleansing from within. But what he's referring to, I believe, and I think the context bears it out, you know, is there has to be two births. The water could refer to a physical birth, the releasing of amniotic fluid unless you're physically born and spiritually born you can't see the kingdom of heaven now why do i say that because he re-emphasizes it in the in the next verse that which is born of flesh water is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit do not marvel do not struggle with this do not marvel that i say to you you must be born again and then he gives him an example from from nature And it says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. You know, we can't see the wind, we can't understand the wind, but we can sense the wind. And then he talks about what happens when somebody's born again. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You didn't see it happen to them, but you can tell it did. And he's really telling Nicodemus, look, you know, when you're struggling with this, you don't have to understand it exhaustively and completely. You just have to understand it sufficiently enough to embrace it. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He's saying, help me, I don't understand. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet do not understand these things. Remember who Nicodemus is. He's on the ruling council. He's one of the chief theologians of the Jewish people. and He doesn't understand his Jewish Bible. And Jesus is confronting that. And we don't want to be too hard on Nicodemus because, you know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man, the unsaved man, the unregenerate man, for the technical term, does not understand the things of God for they are spiritually appraised. And it goes on to say, but we, you and I, looking at this text, we have the mind of Christ. Nicodemus, like many in the world, like we saw in the video, is trying to understand the message of Jesus. Jesus answered him and says, are you the teacher of Israel? Then he says, watch this, verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, again, he's saying, I, the authoritative teacher sent from God that you acknowledge, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. He's saying, I'm from God, I'm explaining this to you, and you don't get it, you don't receive it, you don't understand it. And in verse 12, he says, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He's working with them here. He goes, look, I'm telling you what I've seen. I'm giving you examples from nature. I'm giving you concretes. And if you can't get that, how are you going to grasp the spiritual things? And then he makes this interesting statement here, verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. What he's doing there is he's saying, look, there was a a superstition among the uh, Jewish people that all of their patriarchs and prophets went to heaven, got taught, and came back down. What he's saying is this, I'm the only one who has gone up and come down because that's where I'm from. God is coming. Jesus enters the temple and cleans house, does all these signs. Nicodemus comes, here he is. He should know who Jesus is. He, he gets it that he's from God, and now Jesus is telling him, in a manner of speaking, I'm God in the flesh. I'm God in the flesh. And what does God in the flesh have to say? He even takes the, the, the term, terminology from Daniel where the Ancient of Days bestows a kingdom that lasts forever among, upon the Son of Man. And he calls himself the Son of Man. I mean, when people say, I don't know who Jesus is, or Jesus claimed to be, never claimed to be God, he never, all he was was a teacher, you can't read the first three chapters of John's Gospel and come away with that understanding. You just can't. And then he, he's given him the, the example from nature with the wind blowing. He's talked about... Uh, uh, physical things, you know, the, the physical birth and the spiritual birth. And now he gives him an analogy from Scripture to help him understand. From Numbers chapter 23, he gives him this passage here. And, he, this, and this is what Nicodemus should be getting. Verses 14 and 15. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Look at verse 15. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For those of you who may not remember, in, in, in the book of Numbers, the people had sinned against God and God sent fiery serpents in to, to bite them and they died. And the only way that they could live was to trust God enough that when Moses lifted up a symbol of their faith, they would look at this bronze serpent and live. It didn't make sense to them. They couldn't fully understand what God was doing, but it was a foreshadow of Jesus being lifted up on the cross And that whoever would look to him would have eternal life. And Jesus is bringing Nicodemus back to the law of Moses, back to the Jewish Bible and saying, this is me. And you may not understand this completely, Nicodemus. You may not understand it exhaustively. You may not be able to unwrap it all right here and now. But if you trust in me, if you believe in me, if you look to me, you will have eternal life. You will be born again you will have the second verse the second birth so what i'd like to do for you here now that was all introduction is get into the heart of jesus's message so that you can share it with other people what i like today i want you to understand the christian message so that we can mentor other christians with it and disciple others and also lead people or point people to christ i want to give you three simple truths we can draw from jesus's talk with nicodemus jesus's message So that we can understand Jesus and explain him to others. And the first simple truth, the first observation we can make is this from Jesus' message. That salvation comes from outside of us. Salvation comes from outside of us. Where do we see this? We see this in John 3.3. Jesus answered and said, truly, truly, most assuredly, absolutely, clearly, definitely, unmistakably, unless you're born again, unless you're born from above, unless you're conceived from above, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And in that culture, seeing was being. That's why you always talk about these things we have seen and declare unto you. They didn't care about what you heard. They didn't care about what you were told. They want to know what you saw. And basically, you will not see. You will not experience. You will not get within range of the kingdom of heaven unless you're conceived from above.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby on this special
2: edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast. Hello everyone and thank you for listening today. In the uncertainty of the COVID-19 crisis, many people within the Hillside Church community and all over Santa Clara County are in the middle of financial hardship, and we need to pray for them. And we would ask you to pray for us as well. We want to thank you for listening and supporting this ministry, but it is a listener-supported ministry, and in as much as we covet your prayers, we also ask you to consider a financial contribution to the ongoing work of this radio broadcast. Grace to Live Radio provides encouragement to so many people in the outside world who can't make it to church, and you can be part of that ministry by supporting us financially as you support us prayerfully. This is Keith Crosby, and I want to thank you for your prayers and your encouragement.
0: If you have questions about today's show, or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to visit our website, hillsidechurch.org. There you can listen to past sermons and other content from Pastor Keith just by clicking the Sermon Archive tab. And you can also find links to Pastor Keith's blog, as well as the Out of My Mind podcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.